Good morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. We start off another broadcast week. Lots of things to talk about during the course of the broadcast today, and I am really glad that you are here. Got some great news to talk about this morning to start the broadcast, including the rescue of two hostages during an Israeli operation in Rafah. This is very good news. I was just thinking this morning, October 7th, four months. These folks have been held captive for four months, and there are others still there, including children. So we celebrate every person rescued in the midst of horrific conditions in that region. We, of course, will talk about one of the big stories of the day. We started, this wasn't the beginning of the conversation, as you know, but at the end of the week, we had a conversation about the ongoing issues that Joe Biden is facing with the American public about people who believe he's too old. We've got yet a new poll that's out from ABC News on this very subject, and it's horrible news. For the Biden campaign, we will talk about it. You also hear from the man that Rush used to refer to as Serpent Head, talking about the fact that Joe Biden pretty much rejected a tradition that normally goes along with the Super Bowl, a Super Bowl interview. I mean, think about this. You've got the biggest television audience of the year. It's free advertising. Joe Biden? No, thank you. We'll get James Carville's thoughts on this and the age subject, which is also very insightful. On the other side, and I just want to give those of you who uh, are subject to manifest a heads up, because we have... <laughs> also some stories on his opponents likely opponent in november well let me rephrase that possible opponent in november because i don't know if either of these guys is going to be on the ballot i really don't a couple of interesting subjects one of them donald trump sending a message to delinquent nato members those who have not paid up on their dues this is some pretty harsh stuff you will hear that. Also, he mocks the husband of Nikki Haley. And when you find out what her husband is doing, it further affirms something that I've said before. And again, I am not a Nikki Haley fan, but Nikki Haley hits this one out of the park. She is right on the money. You will hear what she has to say to the man who doesn't have the courage to face her. I mean, let's just be honest. Also, I'm sure there's a lot of discussion about Super Bowl ads. I mean, at least the ones I saw last night, I was not really impressed. There's really uh, only a couple that really stood out to me. We're going to talk about one of them. One of them was a political ad. 
In fact, interestingly enough, the person who the ad is about is apologizing to his family. We'll tell you what this controversy is about. And it's also a good tie-in to a conversation I had over the weekend. I reconnected with someone I've not talked with in a while. And his comments to me were quite shocking in one sense because it's a person who is not very political at all. Not only is he not very political, get a load of this. He made a contribution to someone. I'm going to tell you who that someone is as we continue the broadcast. Can we begin with that game last night? That was incredible. And this is from a non-sports fan, a non-football fan. I can tell you, I watched the entire game. I did not move. I mean, that really says a lot for me. Now, a friend of mine, my friend Ken was like, uh, I think at halftime, it's like, I think this thing's over. And was kind of checked out. I think he was kind of hoping and pulling for the Chiefs. But it got to a point, it was like, eh. San San Francisco was dominant. During a good part of this game, certainly during the first half. But fortunes would certainly change here when I saw them as in the Chiefs just just gradually gradually work their way through this thing field goal field goal and then ultimately and when I thought this <laughs> was over then they take the thing into overtime San Francisco starts with a touchdown, and I'm, frankly, I'm not very optimistic. I thought this thing was not looking good at all. And then, at the very end, and you know what? There was a point where I saw Patrick Mahomes' face. It was the point where they were edging toward the goal line. And I saw his face, and I looked over, and I said, you know what? He's confident. He's got this thing. At the end of the game, one of the things I love, and one of the reasons why I'm pulling, I had been pulling for the Chiefs, I absolutely love Patrick Mahomes. I love this guy's heart. Most importantly, his heart for God. I see a humility and a genuineness in this guy that is so rare, especially for his age. And then at the end of the game, I'm not surprised by what he had to say. His first thoughts are not about himself or even his team. He gives the credit where it belongs. Here's Patrick Mahomes after the game. And to come through, the guys never faltered. I just got to give God the glory, man. He, he challenged us to make us better, and I'm proud of my guys, man. This is awesome. It's legendary. Tell us what happened on that final touchdown. What was the call? Uh, I, the, the call is different, but it's like the same exact motion as Corndog. And we brought it back at the right time. Coach Reza, he's a legend, man. He'll do that. And uh, McCall Hardman, man, battling through adversity this year, being in that moment and making that play. That's special. So is it a dynasty now? Yeah, it's the start of one. We're not done. 
I know we're going to celebrate tonight, celebrate the Pride Wednesday, Kansas City, but we're not done. We've got a young team. We're going to keep this thing going. And I certainly hope they do keep this thing going. It's a joy to watch not only Patrick Mahomes, but this whole team. Tommy, any quick thoughts here before we go to break? Yeah, just uh, I was I was pretty neutral last night because I had plenty of reasons I could come up with to root for and against both sides. So I just kind of hoped for a good game. And the moment I knew that it was the Chiefs were going to win was when they blocked the extra point um, in the third quarter. Yes, I, say. And I remember it that. Kept it a three-point game, and I just looked at my friends. I was like, you can't. You can't do that against this team. You can't leave points on the board. And sure enough, uh, you know, the Chiefs were able to go down and get a field goal. They didn't need to get a touchdown at the end of regulation. They were able to go down and get a field goal, send it to overtime. And then, so they, you know, they got the stop, um, held, them, held the 49ers to their own field goal. And, you know, once that, once it was Mahomes go get a touchdown to win the game, it was over. That was just, uh, that was just such a great game. It really was. I, uh... I mean, I'm serious. When you get me to stay glued to this to the point where I'm not going to turn it off, you've done well. <laughs> you have really done well. Exactly. Especially, you know, on a Sunday night. I'd never under, you know, I, Saturday I'm Saturday night Super Bowl for me. Let's make it happen. Yeah. I hear you. On last night's game... Chris weighs in. It didn't matter to me really who won. I was just wishing Steve Wilkes and McCaffrey could have experienced a Super Bowl win. I was excited to see them in the Super Bowl. I mean, this is another example of just talent rising to the top despite challenges, despite rejection. And I'm... Happy for those two, that they were actually in the Super Bowl. And you don't have to have a bad attitude or be nasty about it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, take this, David Tepper. (laughs) You know? Can't uh, go without saying that. 704-570-1110 is our phone number for the broadcast. I mentioned very encouraged by a development, a positive development in the Middle East. Israeli forces rescued two hostages during an operation in Rafah. I mean, I'm just thinking of the ages of these two folks, Fernando Marman and Louis Har. Fernando, 60. Louis, 70. Can you imagine this? These older guys in captivity for four months. Overnight raid, Israeli Defense Forces, Israeli Securities Authority, and Israeli police rescued these two, evacuated them in a helicopter. Footage released by the IDF IDF later showed... Both of these guys embracing their families. The IDF spokesman saying the hostages were held captive in harsh conditions, intentionally held in the middle of a civilian neighborhood inside a civilian building to try to prevent us from rescuing them. But we did. 
They're now home in Israel. They've undergone medical examination and have been reunited with their families. Spokesman goes on to say this rescue mission underscores the importance of our ground operation in Gaza, including Rafa, when conditions allow. 134 men, women, and children and elderly are still being held hostage in Gaza. We have a moral obligation to bring all our hostages home. That is an obligation we will continue doing everything in our power to fulfill. And we wish them success and hope for healthy conditions for all of those who are still in captivity and that they might experience freedom very, very soon. On the subject of Israel, aid for Israel, one of the subjects on the minds of senators as they met yesterday, believe it or not, they worked on Sunday. It's shocking. They pushed a $95 billion emergency aid bill for Ukraine and Israel passed a critical hurdle with a bipartisan vote that kept it on track for passage within days. Former President Donald Trump, a growing number of Republicans oppose USA to Ukraine. The Senate's leaders argued in strong terms the money's crucial to pushing back against Russian President Vladimir Putin and maintaining America's global standing. The vote 67 to 27 to move forward on the package. It would dedicate $60.1 billion. $60.1 billion to helping Ukraine in its war against Russian aggression. $14.1 billion to Israel for its war against Hamas. And fund almost $10 billion in humanitarian assistance for civilians in conflict zones while also addressing threats to Taiwan and partners in the Indo-Pacific region. Right now, the Ukrainians, they're wrestling with some shortages on the battlefield. The funding package, at least this is what they're telling us, would be used mostly to purchase U.S.-made defense equipment including munitions, air defense systems. Authorities say it desperately needs as Russia batters the country. Also includes $8 billion for the government in Kiev and other assistance. In this rare Sunday session, 18 Republicans joined Democrats to advance the measure, which leaders hope the Senate will approve as early as Tuesday. It's no exaggeration to say the eyes of the world own the United States Senate. Our allies and our partners are hoping the indispensable nation, the leader of the free world, has the resolve to continue. U.S. allies don't have the luxury of pretending the world's most dangerous aggressors are someone else's problems, and neither do we. You know who said that. It was Mitch McConnell. They're pushing for final passage of this bill. In fact, I need to look up the names of the senators who voted for this garbage. And yes, I'm telling you it's garbage because, again, our priorities are all screwed up, completely screwed up. Here we are giving away money we do not have. 
But this is somehow a crisis that we've got to address now. I'm going to look up these names because I have my suspicions about some names that are on here. We'll talk about that and much more as we continue. We will also jump into the political contest. Yes, it's 2024. Joe Biden misses a huge opportunity. On last night's game, Chris weighs in. It didn't matter to me really who won. I was just wishing Steve Wilkes and McCaffrey could have experienced a Super Bowl win. I was excited to see them in the Super Bowl. I mean, this is another example of just talent rising to the top despite challenges, despite rejection. And I'm happy for those two, that they were actually in the Super Bowl. And you don't have to have a bad attitude or be nasty about it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, take this, David Tepper. (laughs) You know? Can't uh, go without saying that. 704-570-1110 is our phone number for the broadcast. I mentioned very encouraged by a development, a positive development in the Middle East. Israeli forces rescued two hostages during an operation in Rafah. I mean, I'm just thinking of the ages of these two folks, Fernando Marman and Louis Har. Fernando, 60. Louis, 70. Can you imagine this? These older guys in captivity for four months. Overnight raid, Israeli Defense Forces, Israeli Securities Authority, and Israeli police rescued these two, evacuated them in a helicopter. Footage released by the IDF IDF later showed... Both of these guys embracing their families. The IDF spokesman saying the hostages were held captive in harsh conditions, intentionally held in the middle of a civilian neighborhood inside a civilian building to try to prevent us from rescuing them. But we did. They're now home in Israel. They've undergone medical examination and have been reunited with their families. Spokesman goes on to say this rescue mission underscores the importance of our ground operation in Gaza, including Rafa, when conditions allow. 134 men, women, and children and elderly are still being held hostage in Gaza. We have a more obligation to bring all our hostages home. That is an obligation we will continue doing everything in our power to fulfill. And we wish them success. And hope for healthy conditions for all of those who are still in captivity and that they might experience freedom very, very soon. On the subject of Israel, aid for Israel, one of the subjects on the minds of senators as they met yesterday, believe it or not, they worked on Sunday, is shocking. 
They pushed a $95 billion emergency aid bill for Ukraine and Israel passed a critical hurdle with a bipartisan vote that kept it on track for passage within days. Former President Donald Trump, a growing number of Republicans oppose USA to Ukraine. The Senate's leaders argued in strong terms the money's crucial to pushing back against Russian President Vladimir Putin and maintaining America's global standing. The vote 67 to 27 to move forward on the package. It would dedicate $60.1 billion. $60.1 billion to helping Ukraine in its war against Russian aggression. $14.1 billion to Israel for its war against Hamas. And fund almost $10 billion in humanitarian assistance for civilians in conflict zones. While also addressing threats to Taiwan and partners in the Indo-Pacific region. Right now, the Ukrainians, they're wrestling with some shortages on the battlefield. The funding package at least this is what they're telling us, would be used mostly to purchase U.S.-made defense equipment, including munitions, air defense systems. Authorities say it desperately needs as Russia batters the country. Also includes $8 billion for the government in Kyiv and other assistance. In this rare Sunday session, 18 Republicans joined Democrats to advance the measure, which leaders hope the Senate will approve as early as Tuesday. It's no exaggeration to say the eyes of the world own the United States Senate. Our allies and our partners are hoping the indispensable nation, the leader of the free world, has the resolve to continue. U.S. allies don't have the luxury of pretending the world's most dangerous aggressors are someone else's problems, and neither do we. You know who said that. It was Mitch McConnell. They're pushing for final passage of this bill. In fact, I need to look up the names of the senators who voted for this garbage. And yes, I'm telling you it's garbage, because again, our priorities are all screwed up, completely screwed up. Here we are giving away money we do not have. But this is somehow a crisis that we've got to address now. I'm going to look up these names because I have my suspicions about some names that are on here. We'll talk about that and much more as we continue. We will also jump into the political contest. Yes, it's 2024. Joe Biden misses a huge opportunity. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, we talked about Joe Biden, and really we've talked about both potential presidential candidates on the ballot for November. And the age issue, it's a huge one. I had my friend laughing yesterday, and this is not a new idea or line by any means, but I said this 
comes down to a contest in November, it could, if things remain as they are right now, as a contest between demented and dementia. Well, let's talk about the first (laughs) angle of this. There's this thing called wisdom. Wisdom. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because we've gone through this thing. You know, a lot of people push back at political correctness. I am not a person who believes in being politically correct either. But I also believe in wisdom. You don't just go around saying things, no matter how true they are. I mean, I love the biblical standard for this. It talks about the importance of us speaking the truth in love. Now, that's within the Christian context. Outside of that, I mean, it's the Wild West. Because there are a lot of people who have the idea, you know, I'm speaking the truth. And they think there's some virtue just in saying the truth. No, there is no virtue in just saying the truth. If you're an ass about it. It's not redemptive at all. So I take you to the campaign trail. UK Daily Mail has this story. Shocking moment Donald Trump tells cheering crowd he would encourage Russia to attack fellow NATO members for failing to pay their dues. This is just stupid. But the sad thing, this is the kind of thing. I was just telling my friend this yesterday that I really believe a good part of what we're watching is just people who enjoy entertainment this is entertainment it's all it is i'll let you hear the clip for yourself here is donald trump pretty much threatening delinquent nato members i came in i made a speech and i said you got to pay up they asked me that question one of the presidents of a big country stood up said well sir uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay, you're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You gotta pay, you gotta pay your bills. And the money came flowing in. (laughs) So he's talking about history and you know, do I think The NATO countries need to pay their share. You better believe it. He's right about that. This is not the context for this. Throwing red meat out. And this was even worse. And I mean, some people just need to be quiet. Case in point, Tom Tillis. Blaming Trump's team rather than the former president's long-established beef with NATO, saying shame on his briefers for not explaining the U.S. has made a commitment to assist any NATO country that is attacked. Why are you sucking up to this man, Tom Tillis? Why are you making excuses for him and blaming his briefers? It's not his briefers, and you know that, Tom Tillis. Others sharper in their criticism. Rand Paul, it was a stupid thing to say. Lisa Murkowski, uncalled for. John Cornyn said he doesn't take Trump literally. (laughs) 
Mike Rounds, none of us wants to see a war in Europe, and I don't think he does either. And very clearly, we're going to defend our NATO allies, and I'm quite certain the president does not want to see us in a war with Russia. So they're all trying to explain and do all kinds of calisthenics around this. At the bottom line, I think the most accurate thing, Rand Paul hit it on the head. It's just a stupid thing to say. It's not necessary. And then we turn to Nikki Haley. Can I repeat to you again? I am not a Nikki Haley fan. I'm not at all. But it's really pretty lame to me, particularly for somebody who has never served in the military, to call out somebody and mock that person and ask where they are. I want you to hear this for yourself. This is, again, over the weekend, this is the kind of red meat. And see, this is where I'm telling you. And I want to make this very clear. This, to me, is no longer a Trump issue. I, I've written off Donald Trump. I, I've written the man off. I'm praying for the man's... I don't know what you would call it. Uh, <laughs> for some sort of help. But I'm really praying for people to stop sucking up to this man. Because that's the bad thing. This is not the kind of thing that should be cheered at all. And it's not funny. Here's Donald Trump mocking Nikki Haley and her husband. He said, I will never run against him. Then she comes over to see me at Mar-a-Lago. Sir, I will never run against you. She brought her husband. Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. Where, what happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone. Where is her husband? He's gone. <laughs> well, let's tell you where he is. He's deployed with the South Carolina National Guard. That's where he is. With the Army overseas. Ron on social media posted this. I guess we're back to mocking people for that. Meanwhile, Melania, not seen in public, well, seen in public maybe three times with Trump in the past year, not once at a campaign event. This is just pathetic. And again, I remind you, we can do better than this. I have to commend Nikki Haley. And again, I'm no Nikki Haley fan. But she is right on the money here. And she slapped right back. Here's Nikki Haley. Donald, if you have something to say, don't say it behind my back. Get on a debate stage and say it to my face. I am proud of Michael's service. Every military spouse knows it's a family sacrifice. But if you mock the service of a combat veteran, you don't deserve a driver's license, let alone being president of the United States. Good for her. And she's right on the money. This is just low. I mean, think about this. This is a guy who wants to be his boss again, his commander-in-chief. What does it say to somebody who is actually serving about somebody who mocks their service? No, he's not worthy to be commander-in-chief ever again. And if that bothers you, 
You can call to defend your position. Hour number two, straight ahead. Hour number two of our broadcast. I want to uh, talk about a, some, I guess you can say, personal things from over the weekend. Just some observations about some things that are going on that you might be able to relate to. I have a feeling you can. You notice what's going on in the customer service world. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just old. <laughs> Somebody might just listen to me and think, uh, this guy's old and cranky. But I just find that there is declining quality of, of customer service. In fact, Tommy, I'm going to put you on the spot. Since you're much younger than I am. Okay. Am, am I just an old, cranky person? Or is there a real decline in the quality of customer service you know, when you go to stores, restaurants, wherever. You know, I haven't necessarily noticed it too much when you're face-to-face. Um, where I've noticed it really go downhill is when you can't uh, physically see and talk to someone. <laughs> if it's, you know, over the phone or via email or whatever, you know, you might as well just be shouting into the wind because, I mean, no matter what problem you have, uh, you know, maybe you'll feel better writing out an email or leaving a message on the voicemail, getting it off your chest, but nobody's going to get back to you. Nobody's really helping you. So I've, you know, I've noticed for the most part, you know, I haven't had any too many uh, bad in-person customer service experiences, but online and that kind of thing, as that's gotten more and more prevalent, it's just that has definitely gotten worse. Yeah, and it's much easier to, uh, I guess you can say, provide horrible customer service when you don't have to face anybody. <laughs> exactly, yeah. When, you know, you're just sending a, you know, a email complaint, quote-unquote, up the chain to upper management or whoever, right. but upper management doesn't actually exist, and you're just sending it to a, you know, phantom email or whatever to say you did something with it. And you're like, well, there's nothing we can do. We sent it to, quote-unquote, upper management, and here's what they said. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of what I've noticed about customer service more and more recently. Is it's just really, really hard if it, you're not dealing with an actual person to get any actual service, you know? Now, I, as an example, I went to a fast food place several days ago, and they just totally, the person there, first off, it took forever to get a response on the box, and then when I placed the order, they got the order all wrong, left stuff off. One of my pet peeves, just in case you invite me to dinner, I am not a fan of onions. I specifically requested no onions. What did I find all over my sandwich? Onions. onions. And, you know, uh, to, and as some people might think this is petty. I don't think it is. I had a similar issue with something like this that happened one time at another restaurant in this chain and one thing i liked is this owner operator had their phone number on there and i called and i, and I was gracious I, I don't call and i don't say nasty things and the person hey i want to make this right um i took pictures this weekend and i'm going to see if there's an owner operator number and i'm going to call because when you when you own a place like that you really do care you know 
you have reason to care about how things are perceived, how your customers are being treated. And I think particularly late at night, um, I think there's just a lot of slackness. And you know what I think has really changed this too, Tommy? The telephone. Oh, I yeah. really think, especially at these fast food restaurants, uh, late at night, for instance, they are, they're on the phone. In fact, I've seen this. I've looked through and I've seen people just on their phone texting. And it's, for some people, they can't get away from their phones. At yeah, all. absolutely. Absolutely. It's the most important thing. It takes up, you know, all their sort of attention. And even at work, you know, even, you know you're supposed to be on the job doing whatever <laughs> it is you're doing, but, you know, you got to scroll instead. And I, you know, as somebody who has had to work, you know, sort of customer facing, you know, in restaurants and that kind of thing, I do try to, uh, in most situations, um, have a little bit of, you know, grace and understanding for the workers. But also, that also, you know, sometimes I seem like, you know, I've been there. It's not that hard. Like, just put your phone down and take my order. I'll be gone in two seconds. And then you can pick it right back up. <laughs> exactly. It, it's really a uh, something that's very addictive for a lot of people. I mean, that's, that's the reality. Um, on the positive side. You know the best way. You know the best way to get good customer service. You know the best way to do that, Tommy. All ears. Do, do it yourself. One of my things that I've been pleading for. You know, I've mentioned to you I've recently moved, and I one of my favorite stores to go into, frankly, is Dollar Twenty Five Tree. I can get a lot of great things there that are needed at home, and. It frustrates me so many times when I go into their stores, they've got one cashier, one. And you might have a line of 15, 20 people. And, and I've been saying, why don't they have self-scan machines? Get a load of this. I actually went to a $1.25 tree over the weekend. They have self-scan machines and they have a combination. I love the way they have it set up, too, because it's like the number one checkout close to the door is a person. And then maybe two, three, and four are self-scan. And then they've got five on the end, which is another uh, person. Isn't that a great setup? Yeah, it sounds like you can move through there pretty quick. Yes, and that's exactly what happened. I got through there. I think I had like three or four items. And y yes, you know, it's I hope they do more of this because I, I honestly, most of the time, I prefer to, to scan things myself. I really do. A lot of times I just I'm just not in the mood for uh, idle conversation or whatever. I just want to get in and get out. And it's cool to be able to, it, it, I've got, I had one person who was with me one time where I was picking up some things. Oh, this guy was just absolutely adamant. You know, I'm not going to contribute to corporate America and it's greed. I'm thinking to myself, so in, a, in other words, you're going to waste your time <laughs> standing in the line with two items just to prove a point. You know what? My time and you know is who's, more important than that. And you know who's not... Uh not like thrilled that you're making that choice. Whoever's got to ring you up, you know. I know it's, the, it's kind of their it's their job to ring you up, but you know you're not really sticking it to anybody but the cashier and I guess yourself waiting in line when you decide. You know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna self check out. I'm gonna make them do it. <laughs>
There are times, though, I will do this, Tommy. There are times I've gone into stores and the self-checkouts are open, but there's maybe two or three cashiers. I've seen this, for instance, at Harris Teeter, and they stand at the end of the line and they're like, they're bored. They don't have anything to do. And True. I'll walk, I'll literally walk up and I'll say, you look really bored. I'll, I'll, I'll come by your checkout. And the ones who get it, they'll laugh with me and say, thank you. You know, For there's sure. some, some that kind of look at me like, you know, yeah. Like, thanks a lot. I, I, I really, <laughs> I really needed you to come by. <laughs> yeah. I was having a terrible day until now I get to bag your groceries, Mr. Coakley. And that's great. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. But I try to have a, a sense of humor about all this stuff. You know, it's I try anyway. And I do L notice, sorry to interrupt, but while we're on the customer service topic, I feel like you get a lot, like what you put into your customer service interactions a lot of time is what you get out. Yes. You know, if you go into it, um, you know, kind of all fired up, which is understandable. You know, you're usually in the situation because something is wrong, messed up. You've been done wrong by or something so yeah it's easy you know you go in sometimes pretty heated but you know if you come in nice and like hey i understand i just need to we need to fix this problem um oftentimes they're they're pretty understanding um depending on you know the individual obviously but yeah absolutely absolutely uh chris writes in i feel you vince i was at this chicken joint the line outside was backed up all the way around the building so i went inside the manager told all the young people that I want all cell phones in your pockets, not laying down in your pockets. It's really good. I mean, sometimes you got to get people squared away. Uh, we've got a call on this subject. If he's able to hold on to the break, we will talk more about this. Also, I want to talk about my the most intriguing ad. I'll put it that way. The most intriguing ad from Super Bowl Sunday. Back on the broadcast, 21 minutes after 11 o'clock, we were talking a few minutes ago about customer service and my preference to scan my own stuff, even though I could get sued later. We talked about that too, how companies are actually following up and finding people who did not scan all of their groceries, even Situations where people may have made a mistake prosecuting people. But that's another story for another day. Let's go out to a call from Alan. Good morning. Welcome to the broadcast, Alan. Good morning, Vince. It's great to talk to you after all these years. Self-scanning. Number one, you got a lot of thievery going on. But the thing I don't like about it is I'm taking somebody's job. Somebody could be doing that job, and so I'm doing the job for, let's say, well, I don't go to Target no more, but let's say Target, and uh, they're saving money but charging me full price. They ought to give us a discount if we're going to self-scan, but also Target, I think, I read, is getting rid of self-scans because of all the thievery going on. Just it's... my thoughts from someone that has a little experience in uh, law enforcement and so forth. Oh, I fully understand where you're coming from. And there are a lot of losses here. I appreciate your call there, Alan. Uh, this is a, a subject of concern because increasingly, um, I mean, we talked about this before, not just the self-scan thing, but just 
losses in general by a lot of these companies from theft. Uh, they call this shrinkage. And it's an ugly picture. It really is. I don't know that there's a an easy answer to this because this goes to the right right to the heart and soul of who we are as a people and our inability. See, the, can I remind you again? It's one of the things I've said repeatedly on this broadcast. When people talk about self-governance, I don't know that they understand what that means. It doesn't just mean you get to vote for the person you want to represent you. Really, the most important form of self-governance is governing yourself. And frankly, if you govern yourself properly, external governance is less necessary. This is why the progressives have destroyed this country. This is how they've destroyed the country. Because, and I've seen people who've made diagrams of this, and, and it's a really good diagram, where, you, where it shows the priority of God at the top, then to the individual, then to the family, and then to the broader community, and ultimately at the very end is government. Progressives have a totally different view of things. At the very top is government. Government's it. Government has essentially become God. Which is one of the reasons why they've destroyed the family. Because government believes, thou shall have no other gods before me. Government does not want competition. Government would rather have you dependent than have you as a functioning, healthy individual. That way government can offer you things. Government then has hooks to be able to pull and say, you need us for this or that. And the truth is, the healthier you are, not just physically, but spiritually, mentally, socially, the less you need government. Just some thoughts. I figured they would be worth sharing. One of the most fascinating commercials last night, and perhaps before I go into this commercial, I should tell you about the conversation with my friend yesterday. My friend who is not very political at all, and there are a lot of reasons for that, he told me yesterday he contributed $25 to RFK's campaign. And he told me, you need to watch RFK's interview conducted by Tucker Carlson. I've watched most of it. And to be honest with you, I cannot tell you, I can't identify a single thing that I've disagreed with so far. I have about 10 minutes left. And I know the guy's you know, a liberal. And yet, I think this guy has some appeal. And I can understand why he would have some appeal. So one of the most intriguing ads during the Super Bowl, 
In fact, my friend Steve Dace says this is a great ad. I want you to listen to this. It's not new. It's basically a recycled ad. It's an ad, I believe, for John Kennedy. They basically brought it back and rerun it. This time for RFK Jr. Listen to the ad. want a man for president who's seasoned through and through a man who's old enough to know and young enough to do well it's up to you it's up to you it's strictly up to you american value 2024 is responsible for the contents of this advertisement now it's important to note this is not an ad that rfk jr ran himself it was a super PAC backing his campaign airing this ad I thought it was absolutely clever to bring this thing back. This is from the 1960 presidential campaign, which was a winning campaign for JFK. The ad replaces the former president's photos with the independent candidates, as in RFK, while using the same jingle urging voters to choose a man who's old enough to know and young enough to do. That's clever. Kennedy's cousin, Bobby Shriver, son of the former president's sister, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, strongly criticized the ad for using their uncle's and his mother's face, adding she would be appalled by his deadly health care views. Former Maryland lawmaker Shriver's brother, Mark Kennedy Shriver, chimed in. I agree with my brother, Bobby Shriver. Simple as that. Kennedy responded to the criticism by tweeting he was sorry. If the advertisement caused anyone in my family pain, the ad created and aired by the American Values Super PAC without any involvement or approval from my campaign. FEC rules prohibit Super PACs from consulting with me or my staff. Despite this, the pinned tweet on his account continues to display the video of the text. It's time for an independent president to heal the divide in our country. It's pretty clever. I'd love to get your thoughts on this ad. Did you like it? Was it appealing? And overall, do you find some appeal in this guy as an alternative to the two old goats who are running for the major parties? Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, what are your thoughts about this RFK situation. Let's go out to a call from Larry. Good morning, Larry, and welcome. Hey, how are you? All right, sir. Um, I just want to say, you know, I'm I'm almost sixty, and my wife is uh, in her late thirties. Um, when we watched that ad, my wife was completely clueless. She was like, "What is this ad?" <laughs> and I had to I had to explain it to her. And I was like, I barely remember JFK. Um, so I think that this ad was, uh, it, it was out of touch. It was clueless. Really? It was dumb. Yeah, I, I really do. I think it was dumb. It, it shouldn't have been out there. Uh, she was like, it, it looks like an ad from the 1920s. And I was like, well, that's the way TV looked 
before the 80s. So I was like, that's, you know, she had no idea. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 it was a dumb ad. It shouldn't have been put out there. He needed to actually talk to somebody who's a Gen Xer, uh, millennial. He should have talked to somebody like that. This was well, a dumb ad. And I remind you again, this is not something he did. This is something his super PAC did, and they're not able to even consult with him. He could not well, um, even I'm request just say, this. He needs yeah. to, then he needs to distance himself from that super PAC and tell him to sit down and shut up. Because okay. it was a dumb ad. I mean, okay. it was just dumb. All right. Fair <laughs> but, enough. In any case. Thank you, uh, sir. Hey, I, gotta, I do want to ask you, where do you stand as sure. far as who are you favoring in November? I'm a, I'm a libertarian, and I've always leaned that way. But my party just keeps putting stupid people up. <sighs> what is the deal um, there? I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm like, how, how can you put up a libertarian and a communist at the same time? I'm like, <laughs> what, what, what is wrong with you? But uh, um, there has to, there is no alternative but Donald Trump at the moment. Nikki Haley is not going to do anything. She lost to no one. I mean, I mean, I'm like, come on. And Joe Biden, the guy can't put two words together to make a sentence. And the only, the only thing I've heard the Democrats say is we're going to put Michelle Obama up. And I'm like, come on, that's nobody. So there's only one person in this race right now. Uh, the Democrats need to uh, stand up and find somebody. Gavin Newsom, that guy's an idiot. All you have to do is look at how many homeless people are and drug addicts are in his state. It, they need to they need to make their bench a lot deeper. And right now, there's nobody that I see out there. So it's there, there's only one answer. It's Donald Trump right now. It's not a pretty and picture, is it? It's yeah. not. I mean, I, I don't feel good about the uh, direction this country's headed right now. Yeah, but, um, it, you know, it is what it is. You know, we all uh, vote for the evil we want. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it, Larry. Hey, very much appreciate your call. Huh. That is uh, a pretty sober assessment of what's going on. Did you see what happened over the weekend? It was kind of interesting. I went to a church a few weeks ago. Um, maybe in my first weekend down here in this part of town. And I went to a church and I was quite stunned to see a police officer on the stage. I'm thinking, what in the world? In fact, I've not had an opportunity to talk to the pastor about what's behind the security. Because it's new from the last time I was there. Do you see what happened over the weekend? A woman opened fire with a long gun inside celebrity pastor Joel Osteen's megachurch in Texas. This person was ultimately shot, fatally shot, by off-duty police officers. The armed woman, between 30 and 35, entered the Lakewood Church in Houston just before 2 with a 5-year-old boy who was critically wounded in the shootout with police. A 57-year-old man who's not believed to be involved in the incident was also shot, but is in stable condition. The suspect gunned down by two off-duty officers who were working security at the church. 
She was pronounced dead at the scene. The injured child in critical condition. When asked if the responding officers shot the child, the police chief told reporters he did not know if it was, unfortunately, and that female, that suspect, put the baby in danger. I'm going to put that blame on her, he says. The suspect claimed to have a bomb, but no explosives were found by police. Bizarre story. Absolutely bizarre story happening at Lakewood Church down in Texas. Final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Monday. I wanted to mention, keep Lloyd Austin in your prayers. He has been hospitalized for a bladder issue. He has this time put out word about what's going on and transferred his duties to his deputy. John Maddox, Gregory Chestnut, physicians at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, said in a joint statement shared with the Pentagon, Austin was moved to a critical care unit Sunday where he's being closely monitored after undergoing a series of tests and evaluations. At this time, not clear how long Secretary Austin will remain hospitalized. The current bladder issue not expected to change his anticipated full recovery. His cancer prognosis remains excellent. Updates on the Secretary's condition will be provided as soon as possible. So that is the information we have on this Pentagon Press Secretary Major General Pat Ryder said Austin had been transported to Walter Reed for symptoms suggesting an emergent bladder issue. Austin transferred his duties to Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks, along with notifying the Joint Chiefs of Staff in Congress. So um, we certainly wish him the best. Hope everything goes well. Um, This is nothing to play with. It sounds like everything is under control, but... Hopefully, um, we will see him back to health very, very soon. All right, Tommy, time for us to take a look at the day in history. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, doing well. Just had to get that music up, but I'm good. I stayed up a little later than I probably should have to watch that Super Bowl last night. But, uh, hey, second overtime one ever. I'll, I'll take witnessing some history. I'll be a little yeah, tired for that. That was pretty cool. You know, one of the things that blew my mind, I don't know if you noticed this, it was crazy to see how long, what was it, the the uh, 49ers' possession of the ball was in that overtime. Wasn't it like 10 minutes? Yeah, they took over, like about half the whole clock in that first overtime period, just methodically moving the ball down the field. Um, but seems like they probably needed to take all 15 minutes if they really wanted to have a chance. And, you know, that was the nail-biter about this at the end. You were wondering, because the clock kept starting and stopping, you know, are they going to run? You know, are the, is St. Louis going to run out of time? I mean, Kansas City, they're going to run out of time. Yeah, they were and awfully that, casual with it. I know. It seemed like, I'm like, okay, you got six seconds on the clock. Are you going to be able to do this? And, wow, that was something else. Yeah, great game. Let's go way back to 1809. This president, um, known for being honest, allegedly, he was born in this year in 1809. Oh, would that, that be would, uh, Abraham Lincoln? Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln. Yes. You remember that phrase, don't you? 
That was the clue for me, actually. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, 1872, inventors Noble and Cooper got a patent for this. Um, it's a machine that makes something that a lot of people use after a meal to make sure they don't have things in their teeth. A toothpick? Yeah, it was a toothpick making machine. Okay, I was going to say, surely Eight, people had little sticks to stick in their mouth. 1872, that. isn't that crazy? You would have... An invention like this. Now they churn them out. Uh, I like the mint flavored ones. The ones that oh, have a those little are bit cool. Of, yeah, those are. I like those. Yeah. 1909. This civil rights organization was founded. Very important organization. What is the name of that civil rights organization? Uh, would that NAACP? You are absolutely correct. 1924. How well do you know music? Mm, not great, but I'll give it a shot. Okay, George Gershwin is probably most known for this. He performed this song for the very first time publicly in 1924. Mm, yeah, I don't know it's, that one. You wouldn't know this. Uh, people my generation will pick up on this. Rhapsody in Blue is the name of the tune. Rhapsody in Blue. 1931, this movie starring Bella Lugosi premiered in New York City. This was actually, um, this person is the main character, is a vampire. Dracula? Dracula. Nice. 1972, this senator advocated for amnesty for Vietnam draft resistors. It's kind of interesting. I'll give you a hint. He's related to the man who is now running for president as an independent. Who was the senator? That's the keyword. Uh, Kennedy, which... Ted. Ted Kennedy. Theodore. Ted Kennedy, yes. 1980, this big event that draws athletes from around the world. First time they opened in Lake Placid, New York. There is your hint. Mm -hmm. What is the event? The Winter Olympics. Winter Olympics. 1999, this president acquitted by the Senate after being impeached by the House. Uh, Bill Nin Clinton. You Bill better Clinton, believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bill Clinton. And I think that's about it for a look at the day in history. How about this for a discovery by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Service finding something very unusual in luggage? The dog sniffed out something very unusual in luggage from a traveler returning from Africa. Do you know what it was? I don't. Mummified monkeys. Why? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's really all I can ask is why. The passenger was coming back from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Congo reported the luggage contained dried fish, but an inspection at Boston Logan Airport revealed dead and dehydrated bodies of four monkeys. And get a load of this. The traveler said he brought the monkeys into the U.S. for his own consumption. Raw or minimally processed meat from wild animals, sometimes referred to as bush meat, is banned in the U.S. because of the threat of disease. Anybody want some monkey? Yuck! Disgusting. Time is up. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios.